anybody in church, but it sure takes us a long time to get settled in. <laughs> 265. Start just by singing that little chorus. Father, I adore you. Or you can just look on the wall. Okay, too. Stand as we sing.
Thanks. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. We have a bright, sunny morning again, and just we're thinking of all the people that can't be here, and really super good to see the people that are here. Thank you for coming and Jeff and Jamil being here this morning. That's great. And uh, let's just uh, open in uh, our worship call, call to worship, and read together with me in your bulletins. We, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever. Praise your greatness from generation to generation. Psalm 79, 13. Let's just bow for opening prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can be here in your house. And just uh, open our hearts to what you have to say to us in song and in word and the message you've given Pastor Glenn and ask you to bless it. And uh, be with all that are harvesting today. Keep them safe as they do so. We ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, Pastor Glenn is going to have our scripture reading this morning. from Psalm 4, so if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles to Psalm 4 and follow along as I read. I'll turn my lapel on, Curtis, so there we go. Psalm 4, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And may God add this blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, this is your word to us this morning. We thank you that we have your word to us. We thank you that through your word you can speak to us and you will speak to us as we open our hearts to what it is you're saying to us. So Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to do that. 
Help us to hear what it is you're saying. Help us to understand it. Help me, Lord, to speak it in a way that, that would aid you in helping us understand it and how to apply it and make it part of us. So we give this service to you and asking you, Lord, just to truly take over. We pray this in your name. Amen. The sermon this morning is not about insurance agents or insurance policies. It's about stress. Just wanted to say that off the top. Not about insurance agents, but two kind of go together sometimes. So that's a humor I found this morning is about insurance agencies and claims. If you're filling out an insurance claim, obviously you're going through a time of stress. So all the jokes I have for you this morning are about insurance, and the subject is stress. An insurance agent was trying to sell a, a policy to a cowboy. And he asked the cowboy, have you ever had any accidents? And the cowboy said, well, no, not really. Are you sure? You, you never? Well, he said, I horse kicked me once and kicked in a few ribs and busted some ribs and been bit by a few times by a rattlesnake, but, but that's about it. And the agent shot back, don't you call those accidents? And the cowboy said, no, no, they did it on purpose. No accident involved at all. Someone quipped that you know it's going to be a bad day when you wake up in the hospital in traction and your insurance agent is there talking to you. And he says, your accident policy covers falling off the roof, but not hitting the ground. <laughs> so. Anyway, stress. Stress is something that uh, everyone faces in this life. Sometimes, some more than others, some to a greater degree than others. There are periods of life where it's relatively stress-free. There are periods where it's extremely stressful. As I look at myself, it is those periods that are extremely stressful that I struggle with. Uh, it's hard to know how to handle that well. And likely the same for you. Wouldn't life be great if there was no stress at all? Uh, if we could just say goodbye to stress and stressful situations once for all, wouldn't life be great if we could do that? Sounds like a dream come true. Or would that be a good thing? Let me illustrate. For two years, a group of scientists sequestered themselves in an artificial environment called Biosphere 2. Inside their self-sustaining community, these scientists created a number of little mini-environments, including a desert, a rainforest, <coughs> excuse me, even an ocean. Uh, nearly every weather condition was simulated, except for wind. And over time, the effects of their windless environment became apparent. A number of acacia trees bent over and even snapped. Without the stress of the wind to strengthen the wood, the trunks grew weak and they could not even hold up the, the weight of, their own weight of the tree. And they broke. Because there was no wind. And we can make the application to our lives. Living stress-free would likely not be a good thing in the long run. 
But we do need to know how to handle stress, especially when it comes in large doses. So the psalm we want to look at this morning is one we just read, Psalm 4. And we've been looking at selected psalms during the Sundays of summer, focusing in on our relationship with God and how that relates to the circumstances of life. This psalm is about stress. As you can see in verse 1, where it talks about distress, at least in my translation. Uh, it's a psalm written by David. It's about a stressful time in his life and how he was brought through it. And from that experience, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write about it and put it in the Bible here for the rest of us. Last week we looked at Psalm 27, and I made mention of the fact last week that there are some commentators that speculate that the background for, for David writing Psalm 27 was the rebellion of his son Absalom when he rebelled and tried to take over the throne from David. That story is recorded for us in 2 Samuel 15 through 17. Yeah. We aren't told if that was the background for Psalm 27, but that's what some speculate. And the same holds true here for Psalm 4. There is speculation that by some that it was that same incident of Absalom's rebellion that is the background for this Psalm 4. And again, we're not told that. If you look at the heading in Psalm 3, though, it does tell us that Psalm 3 was written in that, against that background of Absalom's rebellion. And many feel that Psalm 4 is kind of a continuation from Psalm 3. Uh, so that could be. There's definitely similarities between the two Psalms. So it's possible that the event of his son Absalom's rebellion spurred David to write maybe several of the Psalms. Uh, again, we just don't know. Just thought I'd throw that out there, those speculations for you to chew on. The point is that David certainly was qualified to write about stress and how to cope with stress. He had much stress during his life. And these Psalms are inspired by the Holy Spirit, so we know they are God's word to us and given to us to give us some guidance in our times of stress. And there's some good basic truths in this psalm about handling stress. Now, just to say right up front, this is not going to be an exhaustive study on the release of stress or on coping with stress, by the way. It, this sermon is not going to say all there is to say about stress management. But there are some basic fundamental principles here about coping with stress that are good foundation for any kind of stress management. So let's look at them. As Christians, we need to know how to cope with stress, and we can better do that by following the examples of David set forth here in Psalm, verse, Psalm 4. So there's four things I want to look at. Number one, make it a matter of persistent prayer. Make it a matter of persistent prayer. Looking here at verse 1 and also verse 6. Let's read verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. I get the feeling when I read that verse that David had been praying for some time. And he's almost to the point of getting a little frustrated with God. He says, answer me when I call, O God. And then at the end of the verse, he says, hear my prayer. And in between those two phrases is the realization that God had relieved him in his time of distress. And I noticed as I was researching this that 
different translations word that a little differently. So some of them say, you have relieved me in my distress. Some say, you will relieve me in my distress. So there's a different tense, uh, tense there. And there are difficulties in translating that from Hebrew. That, that verb is in the perfect tense, which can be translated either past or present. So uh, depending on the context. So translators were a little unsure whether he's talking past or present there. But it could be that David was was as he's praying, he's remembering how in times past God had brought him through uh, times of distress. But here we see David kind of putting his faith that either God had in the past and he will again, or God, he knows that God will. You look down to verse 6. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up your countenance upon us, O Lord. So there again we see David asking God. He's praying, lift up your, the light of your countenance upon us. In other words, David is asking God to show favor. That's what that lift up the light of your countenance means. Show favor toward him. Show favor toward your people. So we see here an example of the first thing we should be doing when we are facing stress. And that, of course, is to pray. Pray. Not just a one-time thing, saying... Lord, take the stress away. But to make it a persistent prayer. Depending on what the particular circumstance you are facing is, it may take a long period of persistent prayer. Perhaps God is trying to use this stressful situation to change you somewhat. Perhaps to help you in the process of conforming to the image of his son. Maybe you need the stress to help you to do that, kind of like the wind on the trees. You need that. That's never an overnight accomplishment. So often when we pray, what we're trying to do or what we're hoping to accomplish is to get God to act in some way to bring an end to the stressful circumstance. That's why we're praying, because we want to get God to do what we want him to do. God may have a different idea. Maybe we learn, need to learn how to submit our wills to God's will, and not try to get God to submit to our will. Or perhaps what's going to have to change in the circumstance that you're facing is the attitude of some of the people involved in your stressful situation. Some of those attitudes need to change. And again, persistent prayer is needed. I've never seen attitudes or feelings change overnight. That's what David was facing here. If the occasion is Absalom's rebellion, would his son just overnight realize he was wrong and leave his plan of action and apologize to his father and everything will be all right again? Was that going to happen overnight? I'm sure David had been praying about his son's attitude for years. And yet he continued in his rebellious ways. But David kept on praying. Well, we may be tempted to say then, if it doesn't work, why keep praying? <laughs> didn't say it doesn't work. What I'm saying is it likely will not bring radical change overnight. But persistent prayer over time does work. Maybe not in the way you have it pictured in your mind, but likely in a better way. Very familiar verse in the New Testament. 
thank you to flip over to James chapter 5. A lot of you know that verse by memory probably, or at least are very familiar with it. James 5, verse 16 and 17. Uh, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man like, with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly. It would not rain. It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. <laughs> so fervent prayer does work. Elijah showed that it did. And it will work for you too. A couple of illustrations that I'd like to share with you. When God was visiting the Moravians in the early days, they organized at Hernat, Hernhut, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. <laughs> but at that location, they organized two praying bands, one of men and the other of women, each band with 24 members. These bands set apart one man and one woman to pray for an hour a day, every hour of the day, so that the women in their place and the men in their place were praying continuously during the 24 hours. Went around the clock. Each one would pray for one hour and then they'd be spelled off and, and the next person would come and that went around the clock 24 hours a day. And that double prayer, unbroken every day, continued for over 100 years. During this period, there emerged the Moravian Mission Movement, in which the missionary church grew three times as large as the home church. These Moravians were used to give new light on essential Bible truths to John and Charles Wesley, thus preparing them for the revival that swept England and reached America back in the 1700s, early 1800s. Persistent prayer. David Brainerd was a man known for his great spiritual power. The work which he accomplished by prayer was simply marvelous. Dr. A.J. Gordon, in giving a sketch of Brainerd's experience, uh, this is what he said. In the depths of those forests, alone, unable to speak the language of the Indians, he spent whole days literally in prayer. What was he praying for? He knew he could not reach these people. He did not understand their language, did not know how to speak their language. If he wanted to speak at all, he must find someone who could vaguely in interpret his thoughts. Therefore, he knew that anything he would do must be absolutely dependent upon the power of God. So he spent whole days in prayer simply that the power of the Holy Spirit might come upon him so unmistakably that these people would not be able to resist the power of God working in their lives. And what was the answer? Persisted in prayer over long periods of time. And God used them. Once he preached and the interpreter was so drunk, he could hardly stand up. <laughs> That's all he had, best he could do. And yet scores were converted through that sermon. We can count for it only by the tremendous power of God behind it in answer to persistent prayer. Friends, persistent prayer does work. That's what I'm trying to say here. And it will, over the long haul, work for you in the stress that you are in. It will make a difference. 
Notice the words David says there in verse 1. Thou hast relieved me in my distress, or will relieve me in my distress. Prayer works. And I just want to draw your attention to how that's phrased. It says, thou hast relieved me in my distress, in my translation. It doesn't say, thou hast relieved me from my stress. <laughs> it's important we see that. I don't know about you, but when I'm under a lot of stress, my prayers tend to be along the lines of, Lord, please take the stress away. Whatever's causing the stress, take that situation away so that the stress will be gone. That tends to be the line of my prayer. But when I back away and think about it objectively, I can see that it may well be that God has no intention of taking the stress away. <laughs> it may be part of God's plan to use that stress to accomplish something better. A growth in me that is needed. A change in a situation that's needed. So many of us as Christians have an underlying belief that if I live pleasing to God and if I do what is right and, and, and obey Him and stay close to Him, that God has promised me a trouble-free life, a stress-free life. That somehow God owes it to me. Not so wrong. But as we pray, God can bring relief in our distress. He will give us the strength to go through stressful times with a sense of confidence and with a sense of peace. So we'll be able to say with David, thou hast relieved me in my distress. So I don't know what kind of stress you are facing today, if any. I, I, I do know, though, that the first step to coping with it is persistent prayer. Uh, pray about it often, every day, two or three times a day. Keep on praying. God will work and help you cope. Secondly, Remind yourself that God has set you apart for a special purpose. <clears throat> Remind yourself that God has set you apart for a special purpose. Look in here, verse 2 and 3. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. David is really feeling that his honor has become a reproach. He's being humiliated, he's being denigrated, he's being slandered. His honor has become a reproach. And given his situation, if Absalom's rebellion is the background here, uh, we could sympathize with him. He was king, the king of Israel, and his son took it from him by force. He's fleeing the... The palace, he's been running out of the palace, he's running across the river, to the other side of the Jordan River. That's, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 15 through 17. That's pretty humiliating, don't you think? And I think it's a fairly common thing. There is that fairly common feeling that may come to you when you're under stress. You feel people are attacking your honor. Or you feel somehow your honor or your reputation is at stake. You feel inadequate. You feel like a failure. You feel like others don't respect you. They're slandering you. Those feelings, they come to me when I'm under stress. People are aiming at what is worthless and, and aiming at deception. And perhaps that makes you feel worthless. But notice what David says in verse 3. And I think during this stressful time, he reminded himself of this truth. 
Perhaps he daily had to remind himself of this truth. The Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. And friend, that is a truth, a principle that applies very much to you and I today. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and have accepted him as Savior have been set apart by God. Set apart for a special purpose by God. You know that? I think you all know that, but do you know that? God has set you apart for himself for a special purpose. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. Something that he wants to use you for. He set you apart for that. Biggest thing, of course, is he has a place in heaven for you for all eternity. We know that. But he also has a special purpose for you here on earth while we're waiting for heaven. You have a special role to play in the kingdom of God. Now, for example, King David, I'm sure he reminded himself often during this time that God had anointed him as king over, over Israel, over his people. God had anointed him. God had set him apart for that purpose. He remembered the day when the prophet Samuel took him apart when he was a little kid, anointed him with oil and said, you are God's choice to be the king over my people. And he reminded himself of that truth. God had set him apart for a special purpose. He was God's choice as a nation's king, not anyone else. He, that was what God set him apart to do. And he reminded himself of that. And that gave him encouragement in this stressful time. So that's a good example for us. In the middle of a time of stress, it would be well for us to remind ourselves often that we are very special people in God's eyes. You are a very special purpose person in God's eyes. God has set you apart for himself. He has a purpose for you. That's just for you and not for anyone else. Just you. You're extremely valuable in God's eyes. He sent a son to die for you. You're not worthless. You're not inadequate. Not with God helping you, you're not. No matter what people say. God values you. And then notice the end of verse 3. The Lord hears when I call to him. Because you are set apart by God, God takes a special interest in you and will certainly hear you when you call out to him. So when you're under the stress gun, let's keep reminding ourselves of this truth. It may be difficult to feel that way, but the fact remains that this is true. God has set you apart for a special purpose. Remember that. You're special to God. He takes a vested interest in you. And as such, he will certainly hear you when you call and when you pray. Thirdly. Don't let stress bring you to sinful actions. Don't let stress bring you to sinful actions. Verse 4 and 5. Stress has a way of wearing you down. That's no secret to anyone. Stress can be a very tiring thing. It doesn't only wear you down physically, but also emotionally. 
When you're facing a lot of stress, it's harder to keep control of your emotions. It's easier to fall into sinful actions. Your temper is short. You say things to your children or your spouse or someone else that really you probably shouldn't be saying. You say these things, you know you shouldn't say them. They're absolutely wrong. Sin, God calls it. In anger, you say things that are wrong and hurtful. It's sinful, but you go ahead and say it anyway. You're worn down. Filters aren't working good. Easy to do when you're facing a lot of stress. And if we're not careful, stress can wear us down spiritually. It's easy to let thoughts circle in our minds that are not right. Easy to allow yourself to sink into a personal pity party where the only thing that you can think is, I have it so bad, no one else has ever had it this bad, no one even cares, no one loves me. <laughs> when our kids do that, we call it sulking. <laughs> I'm not sure what you call it when adults do it. <laughs> Maybe we should still call it sulking. But it's easy to do when you're under a lot of stress. You get mad at God. You forget about your relationship with Him. Where is your down spiritually? And when that happens, it's much easier to fall into sin. All kinds of sin. From temper, which we've already talked about, all kinds of other sins. Our defenses are weakened and you can bet Satan will be ready to take advantage of that. And almost before we know it, we have fallen into sin, sometimes a deep sin. I think it's because of this very danger that David says there in verse 4 and 5, uh, in that context, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Tremble. In other words, and I looked up the Hebrew word as much as I could, the meaning of that, and that word tremble is a really, really good translation of that word from what I could tell. Realize the danger that your stress is putting you in. Realize it. Tremble. Ooh, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a predicament here, or I'm in a spot where I'm very, very much, it's very, it would be very easy for me to go and do something stupid. Tremble. Do you realize the danger you're in? Realize the vulnerable position you are in. It's something to fear. The stress, of course, wasn't your choice, or isn't your choice, but when it happens, we need to be aware of the dangers. Tremble and do not sin. Rather, the psalmist David says, meditate in your heart on your bed. In the middle of stressful circumstances, take time to meditate on God and his word. Make a special point at those times when you are under stress to stay close to God. Make a special focus on those times to stay close to God. Meditate on your bed. In other words, when you're We'll come across this in a bit when you're laying in your bed. Because of stress, you're not sleeping anyway. So, But meditate on God and his word. Stressful times, like if you're like me, you're meditating on all, how bad everything is and how you know your mind goes in those circles. 
But no, meditate on God and stay close to God during those times. David goes on to say, and be still. Be still. Don't do all kinds of things without thinking. Don't spot off and say things without thinking. Don't rush around immediately and try to fix everything and everybody that's really beyond your ability to fix. Be still. Be still. Think things through. Meditate on God and his word and allow him to speak to you and guide you. Take the time to do that. And verse 5 goes on to tell us to offer the sacrifices of righteousness. In other words, it's talking about keeping on living a life of righteousness. A life that is right. The last phrase in verse 5 is key. Trust in the Lord. Don't let your trust in the Lord diminish. He will see you through this. So friends, when you're under a lot of stress, it's key that you stay close to God during this time. You need to stay close to God all the time, of course, but it's harder in stressful times. So you need to key on it more. Keep at those daily devotions. Don't forget about them. Read your Bible regularly, often, daily. Pray often. Keep going to church. Don't start skipping church because everything is so stressful and it just doesn't work anyway. It doesn't help anything anyway. You don't get anything. You know, that line of thinking is going to get you into sin. <laughs> no. Even though you may feel like you aren't getting anything out of it, in the long run, it will be one of the things that will see you through. Because you will be an environment of Christian people. You'll be an environment of, hopefully, music that is directed toward God. You'll be in the environment of the Word of God being preached. And those things can't hurt. They can only help. Keep going to church. Stay strong spiritually. And keep trusting the Lord. Don't let your trust in God fall or waver during this time. Keep your trust. He will see you through this. And then fourthly and finally, rest in the knowledge that God will keep you safe. Verse 7 and 8. Rest in the knowledge God will keep you safe. You have put gladness in my heart, David says, verse 7, more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Read that again. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. So in David's experience, as he did all these things that he's just written about, the Lord put a gladness in his heart and gave him a peace that was from God alone. And he could lie down and sleep. Well, we're hitting something here, haven't we? <laughs> One of the first things we, or first things to go when we're under stress is we can't sleep. We lay awake at night trying to figure out the answer for the problem we are facing. We want to sleep, but can't. Ever happened to you? <laughs> sure has to me. But notice that David, after he had done all this, was able to lie down and sleep. Why? Because he knew that the Lord would keep him safe. Of course, David was at some risk concerning his physical safety, if the background is Absalom's rebellion. Absalom had kind of bandied or put together a bit of an army around him, and they were 
chasing David as he fled the palace, uh, there was some fear of physical safety for David. There were people out to kill him. But he came to the place where he could lie down and sleep, trusting that the Lord would keep him safe. <coughs> Excuse me. And applying that to you and I, the principle is that God will keep us safe. The danger is likely for us not a physical danger, and nobody's out to kill us, I don't think. Uh, probably not a physical danger, but whatever the danger is, as we trust in him, he will keep us safe from it. He will take care of us. You hear that? He will take care of us. You can lie down and sleep and just let him take care of you. You can do that. So friend, if you're facing stress today, likely the circumstance is something that's really beyond your control in many ways. You can't, you didn't bring it on and you can't make it stop. <laughs> that particular circumstance that's bringing you stress. So I encourage you, just sit down or lie down as David says here in verse 8 and rest. And just allow God to take care of you and take care of the situation. Relax in God's arms and there's a good chance that you will be able to have a good sleep for a change. So therefore, from this psalm this morning, we see some good basic principles for coping with stress. And like I said at the beginning, this is not an exhaustive sermon on stress management by any means. There's lots more that could be said. But these are the, the fundamental principles that come out of this psalm. Number one, make it a matter of persistent prayer. Number two, remind yourself that God has set you apart for a special purpose. Number three, don't let the stress bring you to sinful actions. And number four, rest in the knowledge that God will keep you safe. I don't know what kind of stress you are facing today, friend. Uh, maybe you aren't facing any. Maybe you're here today and you're not, at this moment in time, you're not really facing any stress. And that's good. Uh, but if that is the case, I'd encourage you, though, to, to tuck this psalm away for future reference. Uh, because stress will come. It will come. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a very stressful situation and you're at your wit's end this morning to know what to do about it. I encourage you to take this psalm to heart and the teachings of it and to put it into practice. And God will use it to help you. And again, I would reiterate, may not change the circumstance. He may not remove whatever it is that's giving you the stress, but he will give you what you need to cope with it and to have his peace while you're going through it. Let's take our time of silence and I just encourage you to just open your heart and ask God, God, what's, what are you saying to me personally this morning through this? What, what's your word to me personally? And just listen to what God tells you.
So in response to God's word this morning, let's sing a couple of songs. The first one we're going to sing is one that we all know very well. It's almost more of an Easter song, but I thought it would apply very well. It's that great hymn, Because He Lives. It's 213 in your hymn books if you want to turn there. Um, and we can face tomorrow because Jesus lives. Jesus rose from the dead and he lives and he gave us that word that we just heard. So uh, we can face whatever it is we need to face because God lives and is with us. So let's stand together and we'll sing all three verses of Because He Lives. God sent His Son They called Him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He lived and died To buy my pardon and My Savior lives because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is just because he lives how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm child can face uncertain days because he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know Because he lives And then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight life's final war with pain And then as death Gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know life is worth living 
just because he lives. And for a last song, we'll just sing that little chorus, Be Still and Know That I Am God. It's 343 in your hymn books if you're following along there. <clears throat> Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Thank you for your singing. You may be seated.